Blog Talk Radio. Welcome one and all to the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Show Network. I'm Robert Rogers, the founder of Parkinson's Recovery in 2004. Parkinson's Recovery is dedicated and focused on finding and identifying all sorts of natural options that are helping individuals currently diagnosed with Parkinson's disease to find ways to reverse those symptoms, of course, as well as their family members. Our audience is global. People from countries across the globe are now connecting in to find out about the new and exciting resources and opportunities that are available for finding relief from whatever symptoms they might currently be experiencing. My guest today I'm excited to report is Willem Visser, who is a cranial sacral therapist from the Netherlands, who thankfully currently is living in Portland, Oregon, USA. And Portland, thankfully, is just down the road about an hour from Olympia, Washington. So we are actually now new neighbors. Willem, thank you so much for taking the time today to be on the radio show. Thank you very much, uh, Robert, for, um, uh, for inviting me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on your show. I'm very excited about it. Tell us all about yourself. Yes, yeah, so uh, as, you, as you just uh, mentioned, I am uh, originally from the, the Netherlands. Um, I, I grew up in the northern part of the Netherlands, the Frisian part. Uh, and um, I'm a craniosacral therapist and a coach, and I also write a lot about uh, health and spirituality on my uh, web blog and website. And I have a family with two small kids, one uh, boy, Foyland, four years old, and a, and a girl, six years old. And we just recently, like you mentioned, we moved from Amsterdam to Portland, so that's uh, about it. <laughs> Many members of the Parkinson's recovery audience have discovered uh, cranial sacral therapy and have been reporting wonderful results for that. So you really are a person who can speak to that as a therapy specifically to address symptoms of Parkinson's. How did you come in contact with Parkinson's? So yeah, I uh, I had myself when I was growing up. I had two grandparents from both sides of the family who were suffering from uh, Parkinson's. So my father's father, he he, uh, he was the, the first one to say it. And uh, when I was uh, a young boy, I was like six or seven. He had a, a stroke, and then after that, uh, it came out that he had Parkinson's. So. And he had a very kind of uh, typical, uh, yeah, all the all the symptoms that you you think people with uh, Parkinson's have. It started with tremors and started with difficulties of uh, putting his clothes on and difficulties with uh, eating. And so, because my we were very close to our grandparents, we would always be around. So I, I saw my grandmother dealing with her husband having Parkinson's. And at some stage, she she could not uh, take care of him anymore, so he went to uh, a special uh, home home for elderly people in in the Netherlands, um, where they could treat him better. And so we we saw him going uh, from worse to worse, 
and so that's that's been when I when I was a little little boy, basically like eight or ten years. So we were always going to uh, to visit my grandfather, and we would always see uh, a lot of elderly people with a lot of uh, aging illnesses. And I also should, uh, saw my my grandfather uh, gradually uh, uh, his situa- situation was worsening. Uh, until in the end, uh, I think he passed away when he had like an, uh, a fever. Uh, so, and then when I was uh, like a teenager, uh, my grandmother was the mother of my mother. Uh, she was also diagnosed with Parkinson's. So, um, and she, she had a kind of a, a, a different, she had different symptoms than my, my grandfather. Well, uh, um, so um, for her it was uh, it would be a bit less visible to me that she also had Parkinson's, but she yeah she also definitely had a, a lot of the the, the the symptoms that come with uh, Parkinson's and at the time I didn't know about the different kinds of Parkinson's disease that are out there but she had a different form at least than my grandfather had. Um, but yeah, uh, in the end, as well, she passed also away, uh, uh, also to an, an, another like a, a fever kind of illness in the end. But uh, I mean, uh, it was definitely also because of the the Parkinson that came with it. Yeah. So I kind of came into contact with Parkinson the the hard way, and then uh, later when I uh, started. Uh, becoming interested in uh, craniosacral therapy and I started craniosacral therapy uh, then it was quite natural for me to to see like hey what what can craniosacral therapy actually do for Parkinson's so why can craniosacral therapy be a good complementary therapy for treating Parkinson's symptoms um, Yes, yeah, so, so for a different uh, range of, of reasons. So, so the first one, the most important one, is that that craniosacral therapy um, is a, it's a very gentle therapy for anyone who doesn't know it. Um, that really works with touch and a very gentle touch, and you make contact with uh, the client's body, and in specific, you make contact. Um, with the rhythmic movement of the fluids that go through the spine and through the brain, the brain, which is the so-called cerebrospinal fluid, and that's also the the fluid that. So, uh, if you look at it theoretically, why craniosacral therapy already would be very good for aging people is that cranio makes sure that there is a <coughs> A better flow through of the fluids through the brain, to the brain, and also cleans the all the brain tissues and all the brain fluid. So already, if you can make an improvement in the flow through of this fluid, then that already would have a very positive impact uh, uh, on on a, on someone who has Parkinson or someone who is aging. So, but. Uh, next to that, um, if you with craniosacral therapy, you also can go further. You can also 
work specifically on parts of the brain, make contact with them. And that's a bit more sophisticated. So um, just like some, for example, if if I as a therapist, I treat someone and I, I put my hands on someone uh, like an organ, like the heart, I can make contact with that organ if we really get into like a meditative state where the connection is really strong between the client and the patient, you can really make contact with tissue and you can feel what is going on in a tissue like a heart. You can feel emotions. You can feel if there's anger or pain and then you can make contact with it. And then you can see if you can heal there. But the same thing you can also do in tissues uh, like the brain. You can actually, uh, very detailed, you can make contact with different parts of the brain like the prefrontal cortex or like the the cerebellum, all all the different parts of the brain you can make contact with, even very detailed parts, like very small parts of the brain, like the amygdalas, you can actually make contact with. And also there you can can, uh, make, make sure, see what is going on, if there's damage, and if you can do healing there. So especially for Parkinson, my idea is that you also can uh, make specific contact with the parts of the brain that are damaged by uh, in, in, par- in people who are suffering from Parkinson. So like, uh, and then that's especially the the parts of the brain that make the the dopamine cells, so the substantia nigra parts of the brain. So, and then the last reason why cranio is also very good for people who are suffering from uh, Parkinson's is that I, in, in my perception of, of craniosacral therapy, everyone can learn craniosacral therapy. It, it's not like magic. Uh, everyone can learn it. So, also, people who are supporting people who have uh, Parkinson's, they also can do like a basic course of craniosacral therapy and they would already be able to uh, practice that to the people uh, who are suffering uh, from uh, from Parkinson's. To clarify then for members of the listening audience that are not familiar with cranial sacral therapy, by your description, it's very different then from deep tissue massage. Would that be right? Um Yes, so, so while while uh, a tissue massage is is, is still really working uh, on, um, on on the tissue which is which is under it and really has like a physical touch, uh, cranio much more has a, a much more gentle touch and and you make uh, it's much more like establishing contact on, on like a cell level. If that makes sense, that explanation for for you, yeah? Yes, indeed. And members mm-hmm. of the listening audience are familiar with deep brain stimulation where holes uh, are basically drilled into the brain and a little mm-hmm. element is placed down into the substantia negra. So they know mm-hmm. that you can contact the brain that way. Well, tell everybody how you make contact with the brain using cranial sacral therapy. 
Yeah, so, so that's, a, that's a very good question. So um, the way you make contact in the, in the craniosacral therapy way, that's a very meditative way. It's very, it's very much about intuition and awareness and like the, 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 the person who practices cranio gets into a meditative state, but also the person who's, who's, uh, who's the client gets into a meditative state. So then you can very, very detailed, you can make contact with the brain. And uh, my teacher in craniopsychotherapy is uh, H.N. Pierceman, and he works a lot with, uh, he has these special modules which are uh, brain modules where he really goes into the different parts of the brain. So I also have done these modules and have learned how to work with them. And, and basically his, he's like a, a student of Appletcher, who's like one of the big persons who, um, who who did a lot of research and um, made craniosacral therapy very big, big, especially in the USA. And Upletcher has one of one of his famous books is Cell Talk, and in that book he actually describes that on a cell level you actually can make contact from the outside with someone, and then you can actually talk to different parts of the body, but you even can talk uh, to cells on an individual level. So, and if you translate that to the brain, you actually also could make contact to the brain cells. So you also could make contact uh, with the with the, the, the parts of the brain cells, the, the substantia nigra that are, that are damaged for Parkinson patients. And to establish that connection, I mean, that's not like a one, two, three thing that's very going very easy, but uh, definitely the potential is there definitely to establish that contact, yeah. You're listening to Parkinson's Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Robert Rogers, and my guest is Willem Weiser. So, William, why then, given this quite amazing explanation of cranial sacral therapy, is it not used more for treating Parkinson's? Yeah, so, so one of the, one of the the main reasons, and uh, in the Netherlands, I also have uh, contacted like uh, patients groups that uh, are, are are supporting uh, people who have uh, Parkinson's or also other diseases like uh, Alzheimer's, and I, I've contacted them, but. Uh, especially in the Netherlands, where there's the, the regular medicine is very strong, the uh, patient groups, even if I would give like a presentation to an introduction and talk about the possibilities of craniopsychotherapy, they are very reluctant uh, towards it because there is no scientific proof yet for uh, craniopsychotherapy uh, for for Parkinson's. So. That's that's one of the major reasons I, I would say why why it's not so or well uh, so much used yet uh, for for um, for Parkinson. And I, I know in the U.S. there are some people who are really working to make uh, craniosacral therapy uh, more popular 
are more widely known as a therapy that can be used, uh, especially I know the, the, the doctor, uh, Michael Morgan, who works a lot with people with Alzheimer's. So he, he's making that, uh, trying to make that really popular uh, to use craniosacral therapy for people who are suffering from dementia and Alzheimer's. So um, I, I know Parkinson's is different than Alzheimer, but um, in some way it's also a form of, of dementia. Well, that, that's called a bit, bit wide, but I mean, for me, I think there's the same potential as well for uh, Parkinson to be uh, to use uh, craniosacral therapy. Well, and why then is scientific evidence still so very thin when it comes to examining craniosacral therapy for Parkinson's? Yes, that's a, that's a good question. So, one of, one of the main reasons it, it's it's very difficult to to make a, a good scientific setup to prove uh, to prove uh, to prove that uh, craniosacral therapy works, and and the major reason is that uh, if you want to scientifically prove if a therapy works. Uh, then you have to follow the, the 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 procedures that regular medicine are, are how they are proven, and these days they expect that like uh, medicine are proven in like a double, so to kind of prevent that there's something like a placebo effect going on, and and for something like craniosacral therapy and 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 a lot of other complementary therapies as well. It, it's very difficult to make that double-blind testing setup because how are you gonna give like someone like uh, a, a fake craniosacral therapy session? That that's very difficult. Or, or how you how are you gonna do the blind testing? That's you 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 cannot give someone like uh, saying someone to someone like yeah I give you craniosacral therapy but you're actually doing something different and then you kind of test the placebo effects. I mean, that that's very difficult. So, um, although there have been some preliminary studies, uh, I mean, uh, you are actually the, the one who wrote, uh, did the research in Portland uh, with Parkinson's uh, patients as well. I, found, I, uh, I saw online and it's a very exciting study. But for the rest, there is also has not been... Uh, done a lot of studies uh, about craniosacral therapy and uh, Parkinson in, in specific, yeah. Well, what a fascinating response, Willem. I know in the medical industry there's actually a study when you look at the effects of the brain stimulation of drilling holes in people's brains, but nothing was done to them. <laughs> there was some considerable uh, dispute yeah. about the ethics of that. So even in, in medical science, uh, there are some struggles with figuring out how to uh, design those kind of studies that you described so eloquently when it comes to cranial sacral. You studied the research of Aubrey the Gray, who went uh, to uh, work on preventing aging. Can you tell us more about Aubrey de Gray's ideas? They sound quite fascinating. Yeah, so so Aubrey de Grey is a very uh, fascinating uh, man. So so he is um, he's originally he's like a computer engineer, and and kind of by accident I I think to his partner he kind of 
came in, into contact with with, with like uh, medical science and then especially with uh, with a bi- a biomedical uh, studies and he he got. Uh, he, he then became, for some reason, he, he became interested in the the part of aging, like how do people age, and what is the reasoning behind that. And because he's he was kind of like someone like an outsider, quite a brilliant mind actually, a very smart guy, and he looked at it from like a much more like engineering process. He 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 didn't. Instead of looking at to the all the 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 illnesses that come with aging, he looked especially to what causes aging and how can we prevent it. So in, in instead of looking to uh, so so what he focused he really focused on that, and by focusing on that he found like seven main reasons only seven reasons that actually cause aging. And his his goal is actually to come with solutions to stop aging. And, and his his main goal in the end is um, to 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 make to, to be able that uh, people can live much longer and his goal is even that people can live to be like two hundred or three hundred years old. And that's why he put up, uh, set up this foundation called uh, the Methuselah Foundation. Um, and so, why I, I'm, I'm much more from a holistic perspective. So I'm, I'm not so interested in becoming 300 or 400 years old. But I, I really like his approach of uh, his outside approach of how to to tackle aging. So um, that's very interesting. So he has a foundation called Metaluso. Can you spell that for the listening audience? Uh, yeah, no. So his uh, foundation is is called uh, Methuselah, about the the biblical figure that becomes is very old in the in the old uh, Old Testament. And he put up uh, a foundation which is also called Methuselah. But I think on the internet. Uh, you could find him under sense, and that is s e n s sense dot arc, I think. Uh, and there he put up. Uh, he is uh, he's getting a lot of uh, funding, for example, from Peter Thiel from PayPal, and a lot of people are funding him to to come up with this uh, solutions. Uh, um, so. Uh, that people can't very uh, old, basically. Yeah, <laughs> that's really, really fascinating, Willem. Uh, and I want to spell his name for our listening audience if they want to do some other searches uh, about him. It's Aubrey A U B R E Y, and then D E, and then G R E Y. So how does Aubrey de Grey want to cure or prevent Parkinson's? What are his ideas about that? Yes. So he basically sees Parkinson and, and other illnesses, even like cancer. He sees that like as a, a, a pathological um, uh, he sees, he sees it like a, a, as a pathological uh, thing, and that the cause, that the thing that causes 
uh, Parkinson in his uh, idea is because the the cells uh, is because of cell loss or cell atrophy. So I mean, as you know, uh, and and that's a that's a very simple definition, but that that's how he works. He says like Parkinson is basically caused because the cells that produce dopamine are are gone or they are the, the tissue is um, damaged there so and he also says like everyone who's aging actually already has cell loss already has less cells that are producing dopamine so even you or me even though we don't have uh, Parkinson's disease we already have as well less cells that produce uh, dopamine and his solution to uh, to that cause that there are less cells or that the, the, the tissue is, is damaged in the brain there is is very simple in, in, in some way. I mean, again, he thinks very irrational. Is he wants to replace the damaged tissue with stem cells. So... And the brain, of course, is uh, is very sensitive to outside tissue. So while, uh, for example, if you have like a kidney uh, transplantation, um, then you can have like a kidney from a different person. But if you would have brain tissue from someone else, then there's a very big chance big risk that there is a very strong immune reaction which is actually much more dangerous so to prevent that his idea is that they use like embryonic uh, stem cells which uh, are kind of cells where the, the nucleus of the client still stays in the cells but the, the rest of the cells is stripped and then you use a, a different egg cell, which also contains the nucleus of the client. And if you get them together to multiply, then you have embryonic stem cells with the nucleus of the patient. And if you would put them in the brain tissue, then you would be able to to heal, or not to to heal, to to have the stem cells multiply in the brain tissue that's damaged and actually uh, uh, make sure then then it would be that the, the brain tissue again is, is is multiplying there again with the cells that are needed in that part of the brain tissue and actually in yeah, there's already done some preliminary uh, scientific research with people uh, where they have with people who had a stroke and with brain tissue damage, they already put in uh, embryonic stem cells. The results in that research were actually uh, pretty good. Like five out of the nine people actually had uh, the, the brain tissue started to 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 grow again after they got the stem cells. So, in in Aubrey de Grey's mind, the, the future would be to use embryonic stem cells to, to repair damaged tissue. And that includes also 
the, the damaged uh, brain tissue uh, for Parkinson's patients. Yeah. Well, what plans do you have in the future regarding Parkinson's? So, um, regarding Parkinson's, I, I still would like to to work more, much more uh, with people with Parkinson's and, and get some more hands-on experience. Um, with with clients that have Parkinson in the in the Netherlands, I had, I had a few people with Parkinson's, but I would uh, would love to work more with um, with people on that. Um, next to that, uh, I would also uh, love to give uh, trainings or courses to people um, who have family or friends or who are working with. Uh, Parkinson people to give them like a basic craniosacral therapy course. Well, when the and, and with only a basic cranio course, I, I think you already can can give a lot of support. I mean, you, you not directly about healing Parkinson's, but you, it, it's a very good complementary treatment to already improve the life of people. So, and I, I think everyone can learn that, and I would love to give some more. Uh, courses for people in that and yeah next to that i, I would also love to to work on uh, on on on, uh, on a medical proof uh or on, on scientific work with uh parkinson's and, and craniosacral therapy willem if people so were interested in getting in touch with you you are currently located in portland oregon usa how do they go about doing that uh, yes, yeah, so they could uh, go to my website, which is uh, nl, and there's also an English section on that website. So my, my website is still in Dutch, but there's still an English section. And, and the other way is they also could send me an email, and my email address for that is energyisflowing at gmail.com and so for listeners that website is the word energy e-n-e-r-g-y and then the word is i-s and then the word flowing f-l-o-w-i-n-g and then again the email is at gmail.com so William, in, correct, yeah. in closing from this quite fascinating introduction and discussion of cranial sacral therapy and other discoveries with regard to treatments for Parkinson's, what would you like for listeners to be sure and remember a week from now after listening to this program? What's the take-home point for listeners as far as you're concerned? Um, so the... That's a good question. So, uh, yeah, what, what I really would like to take home f- for the for the listeners is that um, that they that they 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 can look in in their neighborhood if there's any craniosacral therapist around, or they they can look. Uh, I mean, it would already be great if there's more awareness to craniosacral therapy. So, so I would love it if people would. Do some um, more research on it, and uh, what, what could it, how could it help them? 
and so that that would already be great if that uh, people get it out of it. And uh, I think again that craniosacral therapy can can be a, a very good complementary treatment uh, for cranial for people with Parkinson. So I really believe in in next to uh, doing sports uh, movement. Uh, doing meditation and having a healthy diet, uh, craniosacral therapy also could be a, a great uh, benefit to improve the life of people with Parkinson's. Yeah. Willem Visser, thank you so much for taking the time to be a guest on the radio show today and explain and introduce this therapy that you have discovered and other individuals have discovered is helping people find relief from the symptoms that they experience associated with the diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. Thanks so much for being a guest on the show today. Thank you, Robert. It was a pleasure to be on the show. Thank you very much. And that's what's happening here on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all of the women are smart, all of the men are, of course, handsome, and all of the children are truly and genuinely loved. Know that by virtue of the fact that you have been listening to this remarkable and amazing and informative interview with Willem Visser, that you indeed are journeying down the road to recovery. Thanks so much for joining us here at Parkinson's Recovery. We look forward to connecting with you during our next radio show interview coming up Thanks so much for being here with us today. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.